Welcome to episode 9 of Expanding Beyond. It's the first, I don't know, really autumn uh, <laughs> episode we have here with like 5 degrees Celsius yesterday and it was raining and really, really, really bad weather. How are you doing, Monica? I'm doing meh. <laughs> exactly for that reason yeah. as I was telling you about <laughs> uh, I had to uh, there's a friend of mine she got knee surgery and she needs help of course because uh, I mean she just can't go and do groceries for her for herself therefore I had to go out yesterday mm -hmm. otherwise I mean I have enough stuff uh, I, I still haven't consumed all the groceries I got for the lockdown so uh, <laughs> I would have stayed behind uh, inside, but yeah, not a chance. So, meh. Today was sunny, but it was super cold too. Yeah, on my side, I'm I'm now alone for two weeks with with the kids because my wife is actually on holiday in Greece for Ooh. two weeks with a friend, and I'm not really. I'm I stopped looking at all the nice pictures. Yeah, she posted <laughs> because I'm a bit jealous. You got the shorts. <laughs> Yes. And hello, dear listeners. This is the first evening episode of Expanding Beyond. We need to, you know, tone down the <laughs> the pitch <laughs> because we are recording in the evening. Yeah, I had to get the kids to bed first this time because otherwise I'm not sure when they would have gone to bed. Yeah. Last, last week uh, I was... Uh, was it last week or two weeks two weeks ago i think i was hosting virtually the italian ruby day and uh one of the uh speaker he recorded his talk and um i read on his bio that he had kids uh and uh he recorded his talk and i know i knew that he recorded in the evening so you could definitely tell which slides he recorded after the kids went to bed because he was whispering in the mic. <laughs> I was like, poor guy. <laughs> I don't envy him. But I guess you have your lair far away from the kids' bedroom. Yes, I'm downstairs in the basement and I'm also not screaming, so it should be fine. Yeah, it should be. I, I, I cannot picture you screaming, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> not many pe people can. <laughs> anyway so Anyways. this this uh, episode's main topic i guess would be uh product planning or uh, and anything around that because it seems to have come up uh on both of our sides maybe yeah. you wanna you wanna start yes time? i can start uh for the next uh episodes we need to come up with uh sound effects because here it would have been you know like a drum roll or something that would have been fun or <laughs> like central uh, bone <laughs> that bad uh well <laughs> that I was, you see this is a nice segue that's what i was about to say i mean uh, playing is necessary we all know yes it. it's pretty much about what life is as an adult and even as a kid sometimes um if you want to achieve something big in the end you have to plan you have to plan for it if mm. you want to run a marathon if you want to uh, i don't know get a house if you want to anything that really has an impact in the end you have to plan for it so i don't see it necessarily as a chore or as something you know uh, rolling my eyes i'm like oh my god is that time of the year um i think 
especially when you are working also in a group uh, and as companies, usually those are big groups, you have to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just how it is because otherwise, that's the other thing. It's very unlikely that anybody is going to have any fun anytime soon. And in the meantime, we'll also not achieve anything. So it's going to be painful and pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So actually, I'm kind of a fan of planning as my boyfriend could testimony uh, when we go for holidays. Um, <laughs> he's the exact opposite. Um, but on the other hand, doing planning in, a, in the least painful way as possible is not that easy because there's a bunch of things you have to think about. You have to think about contrasting interests. You have to think about um, scarcity of resources, uh, meaning uh, time, mostly and uh, uh, people working on the topics and uh, information because there's also that uh, so it's eh, it can become complicated mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and especially as a I think mind you especially as someone that is uh, new to uh, the topic itself like being involved so in-depth into planning at a strategic company level and at the team level even, uh, I mean, before becoming a lead of any kind, uh, the only planning I was doing was like sprint planning. It's not particularly complicated. And even that one is complicated anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can see, I mean, at that scale, at this bigger of a scale, you can see the little things, the, the ripples uh, that you, uh, those wrinkles that you have during the sprint becoming gigantic. So there is that. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm new to the topic. And because we are a company that is growing, every time, this is not the first time we do planning, but every time it's slightly different because guess what? We're an agile company, therefore, we try to learn from our previous mistakes and make every time something different to, you know, adjust uh, our course of action. This time around, we are trying for the, I think it's the second year in a row with OKRs, always done in a slightly different way. So all this adjusting every time is slightly new and um, projects are bigger. And the fact that uh, you we are switching from thinking in terms of uh, outputs in, instead going towards you know outcomes and how do you uh, move towards a certain goal, that makes everything even more complicated because uh, we also don't know exactly how to do that. Like you know how these patterns that you fall back to because that's what you are used to, that's what's familiar, that's what what is working. So yeah, there's that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what we figured out compared to uh, last time was that we needed more autonomy for the teams to plan. And by teams, I don't mean the single uh, scrum teams, but like bigger teams that are talking about a common objective from mm -hmm. different functions and different departments. So we all work towards a certain objective. So we need more autonomy in that regard if you really want to go into this OKR outcome oriented mindset. And what we also figured out is that autonomy also comes with a lot of responsibility. Uh, so when uh, I remember last cycle, uh, so four months ago, 
uh, when our exec team was telling us about, um, you know, and then management has to plan this, management has to plan that. So you have to, uh, there's workshops to be conducted and organized and so on. And like at first I wasn't really realizing, but then for a split second, this thought became super clear in my mind. They're talking about management. I am management. We <laughs> are management. <laughs> so no magic invite will appear in my calendar. Like <laughs> I actually have to do this. <laughs> well, I'm not one of the organizers uh, of the actual planners. Like I'm there to be a consultant, let's say, and to give my uh, my input into uh, into the the planning. But thank God I'm not one of the organizers. Um, but yeah, so we are learning as we go. And in hindsight, this also tells me that I think that it. I don't know how healthy it is to keep from the, the all the employees that are not involved in this planning sessions how the sausage is made because it's a damn complicated thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to think if you go like in thinking in outcomes and applying to it this OKR framework now, what you have to imagine is that you have to take as a inspiration you have to take the values that your company has as pillars as uh, principles by which the company wants to move you have to take the values of your of your team of your department the values of your specific team so of your scrum team and out of those come up with a philosophy that should accompany then what are the strategic directions from the senior leadership, the exec team. It's like, okay, uh, we want to get um, uh, our users excited about uh, um, being in a community that sustained them in their progress uh, as uh, athletes. I'm just saying random things. And that is what is called company level uh, OKR. Mm-hmm. And that is supposed something that then you as a uh, planning group take and you make a real goal out of it. So what does that mean? We need to increase uh, the numbers of people participating in training groups that are uh, organized by uh, this or that company by this much um, or because they are supposed to be quantifiable because otherwise Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot, you know, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot track progress towards a goal and then it becomes pointless again. And out of this high level key results, then you have to, uh, those becomes the objectives of the uh, level below. Uh, so let's say the, the scrum team, and then the scrum team out of that has to come up with further key results that bring us towards that goal. And these key results, again, they have to be outcomes. That's how the theory goes. They have to be outcomes. So you cannot really present project. <laughs> in this planning Mm -hmm. and if you think about planning as we usually would do it like you put all your ducks in a row you want to make this first and then you want to make this second uh, based on certain assumptions of the first thing you make and so on and so forth but that is not what you can what you should present as a key results therefore it's kind of daunting even because what you are presenting to yourself and to the rest of the company is not really anything tangible. You cannot really have nice 
tidy series of steps every time is a bet. That's my current feeling around it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to say you you as a company, you're much more organized than what what we are currently doing, I guess. <laughs> But you've been around a bit longer and I yeah. guess you're bigger. So that's just different. So for us, what I was part of was a basically one afternoon last week. Mm -hmm. So I finally got to go to Berlin again. Oh, uh, five hours in the train with a mask. But otherwise, it sounds so, funny. So it was good. I mean, I got to read uh, almost the whole book on the way back. So we are not that far along, right? We are still thinking in smaller topics and smaller projects that mm -hmm. we want to uh, finish or want to do in the next few months. What we were missing and what, what we did there was basically we got uh, someone from all the departments together. So uh, that's nice. There were the three founders, me and our team lead uh, from development, someone uh, someone from That sales. Is extremely nice. Business intelligence, product management, uh, marketing, because it just was obvious that it, at some point you need to discuss that stuff with everyone in the room and you sort of need to come Absolutely. to a to a common understanding and then those people can sort of bring it back to their teams and whatever questions come up you then have sort of a shared understanding on how to answer those and you don't need to go back to whatever person and ask them and they give you an answer which is good but then you don't really know why they are doing that right yeah and in in a previous job i this wasn't done that well i think even at some point and then you just do the stuff but you don't know why you're doing it and then mm -hmm. you're It's also not good for motivation, I guess. Plus, there were some interesting discussions coming up. And yeah, I mean, you, you don't get those if, if it's just the product manager and maybe one uh, various people and they have different meetings. That was a nice afternoon, I think. Very, very productive. And now we have sort of the direction we want to go in the next months. This is the key thing. In the end, whatever at whatever scale you do it and whichever framework you want to use, I think that the most valuable thing that comes out of planning is actually a common and shared understanding of what is that we are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And that within, especially within, in the context of uh, management, that is the key that allows all the managers within the company to really relay to everyone else, uh, why are we doing certain things and clarify the intention behind certain actions yeah because there are i mean we're humans we are where we came uh, all this way because we like to ask questions uh, <laughs> and you cannot really <laughs> expect people not to do that especially in a sector like ours where people are curious i mean one of the i think the common trait of um, engineers at large whichever kind is that we like to understand why things are working in a certain way. So even more, when you have a product team of engineers, those, uh, and I'm talking from my perspective, uh, those are important questions that, as you said, motivate people towards achieving certain things. And if you don't do that, yeah, maybe you can get something, but there is this unquantifiable revenue <laughs> Let's call it this way, that comes from the fact that people do row in somewhat the same direction 
I mean, it's virtually impossible to achieve complete alignment, but you know, we're kind of like going north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somewhat. Um, I usually picture it in my head like vectors, right? So the more, <laughs> that's how it is. So you don't want orthogonal vectors there. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> You're not moving anywhere. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a development department where basically in one year, half of all the developers quit. Right. Yes. And I feel at least part of it was certainly due to lack of communication and people weren't motivated because they weren't really sure why they were doing stuff. Yeah. I'm here at a fairly small company, but still I'm trying to use whatever influence I have. I don't know how much it is to sort of remind people that communication is important and it would be, I don't want to work in such a place again where this happens. Because, yeah. I mean, I was one of those that left. This also falls under this umbrella that I was talking about of invisible costs to some degree mm -hmm. of dysfunctional uh, management. And, and it doesn't necessarily has to be dysfunctional line management, but just the environment not being nurturing a certain kind of behavior, it's detrimental in the end. Like if you have a very high turnover, this means that you uh, cannot keep people that have domain knowledge, that have business knowledge. You cannot keep people because we all know how difficult it is to come by with senior engineers, for example. Mm -hmm. If you plan to grow and you're not just kind of like an agency that whatever, there's very good agencies out there. But if you're not just one of those cheap agencies where what what's matter to you is just the next client doesn't really matter how bad your work is you only come across people that are inexperienced or that have also communication and behavioral problems like there's a reason why uh, you cannot attract and keep a certain kind of talent and this applies very often to engineers because we are kind of lucky to be still in a phase of our industry where it's not so easy uh, to come by good engineers, but it can definitely happen with a product manager or with a business analyst. And that is knowledge that is extremely hard to replace. Mm, and that is be true, yeah. because they are very central figures to the teams, if you let go of a good product manager, you're in very bad waters ramp up period, all the team forming again, and so on and so forth. Again, these are very hardly quantifiable costs, but they are out there. And if you don't get this kind of alignment, there's a higher risk that these kind of things might happen in your company. Mm -hmm. Talking also about planning, uh, well, planning is about getting results, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> how often did you, uh, did you happen to see that whatever was planned was achieved. So this kind of meeting, uh, I think was the first time we had it. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit hard to tell for me. I mean, what I can tell, one of the outcomes of this meeting was that we were focusing on just a few topics, right? Ooh. Because many, I mean, our product manager and we as developers, we felt that we were working on too many things at the same time. And then obviously yeah, only half finished stuff. And now mm -hmm. we agreed that we would actually finish some of them, which is kind of nice. Nice. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, if, if you have, I think in such a meeting, if you have to sign off of 
everyone that the chance is at least bigger that you can make it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like there are yes. some things that you just have to recognize that you have to let them go and, and you have to prioritize there. And mind you, very often people complain that it's the management that cannot prioritize. But in my company, we have this thing that is called Spike Week. And mm. both in the Spike Week and for historical reason, we have a lot of features that either we would like to finish or we would like to develop even more or that we would like to, I think, we think those are good ideas and therefore we would like to implement them. And I find it extremely hilarious, the fact that very often people at execution uh, level or, or operational level are complaining that we have too many things to do and we have too many focuses, but so that we don't know how to prioritize as a company. But then <laughs> on the other hand, <laughs> there's also like, what about this? And what about that? And what about <laughs> this other thing? It's so cool. We should do it. Like, yes, quantify it, quantify it. Then we see if it's more or less worth than another thing to do. Time is finite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it is, yeah. In my experience, what I liked in the past about, uh, like what really got me into uh, the agile philosophy back in the days was this concept of adjusting course over time. Mm -hmm. So that you had this, what in the end would become a moving target. But the point was that it didn't really matter how good you were planning. If you were planning the wrong thing, you didn't get anywhere. Yes, definitely. That was one of the things that really resonated with me back in the days. And to this day, that's why my question about how many times do you, have you seen something really happen the way it was planned? Because yeah. I didn't see it happen very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the smaller scale, I think we are doing better now. I might have mentioned it in passing, but we finally have a team lead, mm -hmm. which is my fellow uh, developer, which is also female, which is a nice bonus, but I think she she's just a Hello, perf perfect person for this job. Hopefully she doesn't blush when she hears it. You shouldn't. You're really good. Yes, she is Go really good. Go rock it. Yes. And sort of, so we are, we are more and more leaning towards a Kanban process. Mm -hmm. And previously it was just, yeah, we have this backlog. We groom it all together, but then it's basically free, free for all. And you grab whatever is sort of towards the top of the list that worked sort of, but sometimes there were things that just should have been done, but they were just left mm. for weeks and weeks because no one really, really had the inclination to do them. And one of the problems I think there was that it's just the product manager. He didn't feel totally sure that it was his job or that he had the authority to decide on all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So finally, the two of them, now they put stuff into our to-do column for the roughly for the next week, but stuff that goes in there then just gets done. Okay. And that just, you can, I mean, we use Jira and I think you can already see how the time between starting a story and finishing it, it's dropped drastically. And I think that that's mm. already quite a nice improvement. Yeah, it's nice when it's so tangible. This is what I wanted to add. The smaller the group to align and to plan for is the easier it is to really get to what you want especially if you do it good with intent so like, like you guys did uh, right now the bigger the group becomes the more parts are moving and mm -hmm. the more i like how it's defined in um i think it's by martin fowler 
uh, he doesn't call technical debt a technical debt. He call it craft. Mm-hmm. This stuff that you know deposit itself in uh, in gears and, and so it, it just makes things more sticky, you know, and uh, uh, and difficult to move. And um, if you expand this to to a whole company, the bigger the company becomes, the more what we can call it fixed costs, I think, mm-hmm. uh, they become because you have to move this big, humongous machine made of many, many people and many, many processes. And like, that's how it works again. The more people you have in the company, the more process you unfortunately need. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it comes with the territory when you expand beyond a certain size that you need to take into account this overhead and also that because the system becomes uh, so big and it's made of so many moving parts, it becomes less precise unless you are extremely disciplined. Mm-hmm. But then we are talking about one in a million, I think. It's also normal in the end that you cannot have the same kind of like fine control over and it's like trying to hit a small target with a I don't know caliber 38 <laughs> and a, a and a bazooka yes you're gonna hit it but how big is the damage <laughs> you know around yeah. it <laughs> yeah and then you as a person then you have to decide if this is still still worth it for you or if you have to switch so so I'm I think there's an upper limit to company size for companies that I'm I'm working at and I can see them growing and eventually I have to basically start again with a smaller startup and get that fresh air. Yeah, I agree. I like at least until now in my uh, in my experience what I, what I like is this phase in between having already enough people and enough processes not to be completely chaotic and something where you still can see the impact of your actions mm-hmm. but you can build bigger things so it's this uh goldilocks zone uh, of companies be- before they they go into you know extreme uh, growth uh, and the like so to some degree i i think the something like basecamp wouldn't be too bad as a philosophy every now and then like not everybody has to become a giant. But yeah, so planning, planning, planning. What else can I say about planning? This past two weeks, I was also looking into project management that to some extent, well, most of it, it's planning actually and executing on the plan, by the way. Uh, so I was uh, I was doing for the first time some actual planning on, uh, on something. And um, I found it interesting. This is a somewhat small project and only technical project. So it's my area of expertise. So I'm more comfortable with that. And I I had already some solutions discussed with some of the people, uh, the other engineers. So I didn't have to really go through the phase of, uh, you know, planning, solution, finding events or, or things like that. So it was more like, okay, this is one of the solutions and this is what we believe it's the best candidate out there. How do we make it happen with this time constraint and with this many people? What are the consequences and so on? To some degree, it's less complicated than product planning, for example, because you don't have to come up with an idea. (laughs) The idea was already there. Mm -hmm. But it was still very confusing at the beginning because I never did anything like that before picking a team and thinking about what are the next steps. And I wanted to make it a little bit more tangible, like just not 
you know, this is the solution, we're going to do it. I also want to understand what are the criteria for this project to be successful. So I started looking into what are the metrics by which we can say that this project has actually been beneficial. Mm -hmm. What are the targets that we would like to achieve? And I tried, as you, as you said before, I tried to involve also not only engineering in, in this goal setting, let's say, but also other, other departments. So for example, uh, this would be something that would allow our marketing team to become more efficient in some of their uh, activities. So I was like, okay, what would that mean for you? What's an ideal target for you? So there I found it refreshing, but also at first puzzling because I didn't know where to start. And I remember I got some time ago, Harvard Business Review uh, has a incredible library that you can find online and you can uh, purchase books that are either monographies on or on something or there are a collection of articles around mm -hmm. a certain topic whatever is your question about management or any topic out there data analysis or whatnot you can find some so i bought one about project management and i was uh, i read the first i think 18 pages and i had already an idea of how to start because that white document wasn't really helping me <laughs> so how long have I been rambling by now? Eh, quite enough. The one thing I really appreciated about this book was the fact that they were naming explicitly risk analysis. And mm -hmm. one of the tools that they recommend is a pre-mortem. So once you have a solution in mind and you have a kind of like a plan, then you try and test that plan against anything that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. So what if our deployment fails? What if the, what, what is supposed to have a positive impact on our system, it's going to instead have a negative one. Uh, what if something gets messed up in our code and uh, it breaks this one feature that we are trying to deliver to users and so on and so forth. So it can go as small and as big as you want. But I think it's a very smart way to approach things because it allows you to, to take a little bit of a step back and also think about things that are not under your control mm -hmm. that usually you don't think about. I mean, one topic that comes to mind is, of course, security. And especially exactly. that might be a good idea to spend some time thinking about what would I as an attacker do to my system. Yes. We haven't started and haven't done that much, but oh boy. <laughs> There's, if you know the system enough, then there's quite a lot of things. That you yes, do. there's that. But especially security in these days is, uh, is something that we need to even more aware than before, because as we all know, data is extremely precious and it's very difficult to breach into something big. It's far less difficult to breach into something small, but they might have almost the same return of investment for the attacker. Because in the same time you break into one service that is super big, you can, I don't know, break into 10, 20 smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And people are, especially smaller companies, are, are less worried about being attacked. I think I was listening to this podcast the other day. I'll come, it'll come to mind. It's about privacy and security. And uh, they were like, it doesn't matter how big you are, prepare for it. Because it's going to happen. Uh, yes. So yeah, a lot of uh, recaptures and uh, are you a human? All right. That sounds like the perfect end to this episode. 
Yeah, it was nice again to talk about all that stuff. Let's see what we talk about next time. Yes. After two weeks of holiday for me. Let's see what I've And after have, two weeks done. of planning for me. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, we just started, so. <laughs> nice. All right, so where can people find you on the internet? As always, on Twitter. Even if I'm kind of a hiatus right now. Hiatus, I don't know how to pronounce that in English. Anyways, uh, I haven't been on Twitter for like a week or so. That's a long time for me. So you can find me at KFMolly with an I. And uh, you can find me at Dev2 as Nirnayath. And uh, you can write to me at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. .it. .it, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. And you can find me also on Twitter as UJH. And the rest uh, is in the show notes, but I'm not really active much anywhere else. It's in our heads. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For the time being. Send us questions. Uh, send us topics you all might be interested in uh, hear us talking about. Because we have kind of like a backlog out there. But if we can tackle things that you like uh, better or you think are more um, up to date or you want us to uh, hear our ramblings on something specific, please, please, please do. Yes, that would be nice. All right. So it was nice talking to you again, Monica. Same. And talk to you again in uh, about two weeks. Yes. Bye bye. Have a good night.